Buenas noches, my necrotic night owls, and bienvenidos to the fright-inducing finale of the ATT Spooktober Spectacular. Come and have a seat. There's plenty of open graves to go around. We end our revolting revelry with a collection of sinister stories to keep you up at night. Flustered phantoms, devilish deals, and menacing manicures all feature in our fanfare of fright. Join the fetus for a ghoulish good time in a round table telling of some spooky stories. <laughs> Welcome to Alien Theorist Theorizing Case File 256 Spooky Stories Or Ghost Stories What I forgot the name I'm Braden I'm Zell I'm Dan And I'm extremely distracted at the fact that Skeletor has made Braden his prison bitch right now. (laughs) I can't even get over this. (laughs) If you're not watching the live stream, Braden may have a skeleton penetrating? Yeah, oh yeah. (laughs) He's He's throwing me a bone. He's hanging on on tight. (laughs) (laughs) A little disturbing. I don't know how long I can watch this happen. Stop taking off your clothes. (laughs) (laughs) I only got clothes on from the waist up. (laughs) Anyways, last year on Spooktober, we did Urban Legends. But to trick the SEO, we're going to call it Ghost Stories, but it's pretty much the same thing. Spooky tales probably happened to a friend of us. Yeah, or a friend of a friend of ours. Or a friend of a friend. Or perhaps to one of us. And obviously we can't give names or dates or exact locations. So to start, we're each going to tell one spooky story to start, and then we'll see what happens at the end here. And to do it, we're going to bring out the dice. The demon dice. The demon dice. (laughs) Haunted D20, red with blood. The demon dice. I'm I'm not going to cheat. Watching the stream. I mean, I'm rolling it, so I guess I could be somehow doing some secret magic here. Roll it, but voodoo magic. So we're gonna go low number goes first. I'll I'll roll for myself first. Oh no, I rolled behind the screen. Yeah, wow. Oh, I'm not gonna cheat. I'm not gonna cheat. Look at that. Wait. Gonna ask yeah, how do I know guys. your other hand wasn't just fucking flicking it over? Yeah, this is some sort of 
What was it? It's right there. <laughs> no. Can you it see it? I'm getting vertigo. No, no. no I can't see it, nothing. Not one second. No, we're going to get it. I no, haven't looked. There just... we go. Here we go. Wow. That was convenient. What it's is it? No, it's a one. Perfect. No, it's an eight. An eight. Ah. Eight. All right. Eight. Listen, we got to go. Brain's got to go first before he dies of skeleton aids. <laughs> I just eight. It's skelly aids. Skades. All right. Zell gets an eight. We'll go with Andrew next. That's <laughs> a one. Oh, for fuck's <laughs> sake. It's a one. <laughs> Even when he's not rolling the dice, it's like it's better. <laughs> All right. We'll go in a. Going with Dan. Well, it doesn't matter. I got fucking lit here. Oh, Dan got lucky. He got a two. And Braden, the 16. So the order will be Andrew, Dan, sure. Zell, Braden. Shafted here, boys. Oh. Looking nice and cooked by my <laughs> time my story comes. Yeah, a little slurry by the end here. Okay. All right. Set the mood a bit. Well, there's only one way to set the mood for this fucking story. How's that? Picking up what I'm putting down. Here's a shovel. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Nope. That's not it, buddy. It's a little heavier. A little heavier? A little heavier. All right. Are you going to tell us or are we supposed to keep guessing? Are you serious? You don't know? You're not picking. You're not picking up what I'm putting down. It's a little heavier. What you need to play? A little heavier. A little louder. A little more electric. All right. So as we start these things, like we know, every time the hundred other that I've talked about. I'm going to say this in first person, but this obviously happened to a friend of a friend of a friend of mine. Mm -hmm. Of course. All right. Not even that much a friend, acquaintance. Uh, yeah. yeah, I'd say acquaintance. A guy I barely know. Yeah. An acquaintance I don't even know if this guy's real. Of mine. He might be, you know what? This guy might be like a Bill Brasky. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like the type of guy with a toenail on the end of his penis. Right. Yeah. We're not Hard really sure. Nail. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so this starts off with a, with a friend of a friend of ours who was working in a small town, kind of similar in an area that's kind of similar to probably the, the southern interior of British Columbia. All right. If you've ever been there, I painted the picture for you. If you haven't, maybe Google it. Working late one night, call comes in. Dispatch gives us a quick call and says, hey, listen, we're not really sure what to take of this, but uh, a person's neighbor called and said his wife's out sleepwalking by herself. Now, this is kind of a normal occurrence. She sleepwalks once or twice a month, but the husband usually is able to kind of, you know, get out, grab her really quick and bring her back into the house. But this time she's been walking for about 10, 15 minutes now and her, the husband hasn't come out to get her yet. They're worried that maybe, you know, he's still asleep. They're not really sure what's going on. So we get dispatched, you know, to go in the area, look around. They also preemptively send the RCMP. They also send, just precautionarily, search and rescue, just in case, right? Just in case. So we get there. We've gone up and down the block a few times, circled around. No sign of this person. 
RCMP takes about, you know, RCMP at this time takes about half an hour, almost 40 minutes to get there because in this particular area, the RCMP respond from about an hour away on nights. They have nobody staffed there. No one local. On nights. It's good system. We're talking real rural. Okay. <laughs> real so rural. RCMP, no, real, real rural. Real rural. So, so RCMP show up and they say, hey, listen, do you guys have any luck yet? We said, no. We're going to go, you know, we're going to go talk to the husband and see if maybe, you know, she made her way back or something's changed. We don't know. RCMP take off. And about five minutes later, we get a call from dispatch being like, respond code three to this address right now. So we hop in the car and all lot of information. It's about fucking five minutes away. And we boogie to the address. Come in, doors wide open. There's glass everywhere. Kind of looks like there's been a struggle. Not entirely sure what's going on. RCMP are yelling for us. We come in and there's a junior RCMP member kneeled down in the bedroom, covered in blood, oh. trying to stop a bleed in somebody's abdomen. So we're like, okay, great. Like, get him out of the way. We're talking five or six different knife wounds, mostly to the upper thorax and, abdo and upper abdomen. We so much as we, we control as much of the bleed as we can. We push him TXA. This guy is currently in hypovolemic shock. He's got no blood pressure. He's got a very weak, thready pulse. He's like about as white as a ghost right now. He's pale because he's almost bled out. He's almost exsanguinated, we're talking. So we've got no time to spare. We scoop him up and we get boogieing. The nearest, ho the nearest tertiary hospital is about an hour away, so we got to get going. This is not the area that we're living in right now. It's got a smaller kind of like a treatment center, so we have to bypass that. We bypass that with any serious trauma. This obviously is a very serious trauma. This man needs blood product or he's going to die. So we, we completely bypass it, go to the major hospital. As we're leaving, you can kind of see a neighbor standing at the front door talking to the RCMP, kind of just yelling, being like, hey, like, where's his wife? Where's his wife? Mm. And we're like, well, you know, somebody said that she was out sleepwalking. They're like, well, you guys need to find her. She's like very pregnant. Like we're talking ready to pop. And if she's out, in the, you know, if she's out, something might happen. You know, we're worried about the wife and the baby. So we're like, okay, that kind of adds to it a little bit. Fuck. So we bring this gentleman in. We actually end up getting him to the hospital alive. He's got two large bore IVs. He's got TXA on board. Hopefully he's going to get blood product right away. He's going to have to get in to see the surgeon if he has any chances to survive. Does not look good. Okay. After bringing this gentleman in, we get a call from our manager being like, hey, the police are re requesting you back at scene. They have some questions. They need to do a report. Everything happened quite quickly. So, you know, we're, we need to, you know, we need to help. We need to figure out possibly what happened to this guy's wife. So we get back there. And the police are like, well, we're not really sure if this maybe she was kidnapped. And we're like, well, no, the initial call came in with her sleepwalking. So it doesn't seem like she was kidnapped. And he said, well, look, it, there is definitely a struggle. The doors were kicked in, but it almost looks like somebody was breaking, breaking out of the house as opposed to into the house. Oh, like the jams okay. are broken the wrong way. The jams are broken the wrong way. There was glass on the door and the glass was outside, not inside. Hmm. Oh, okay. Shit. Yeah, so it was it was super bizarre and they had that same neighbor there again and the neighbor was like, "Listen, like you know, th this guy's this guy's mom lives about, you know, 45 minutes away. You guys got to get a hold of her. I'll get her number." 
You know, this is kind of a close-knit community. It's on a reserve. Everybody kind of knows each other's names. The neighbor stated that, like, you know, the, the, the wife has been known to sleepwalk. It's, it's nothing really that uh, bizarre. And, you know, it wasn't that concerning until the fact that we didn't see the husband coming after her. We're really worried about her. We hope, you know, everything goes okay. So, unfortunately, for a friend of a friend, you know, like, it's after you finish that, it's on to the next. There's other people that need... Need an ambulance. We've got to move on. we got to do another call. Yeah. But obviously, this is a significant event, right? It's going to be in the back of your head. You're going to be worrying, like, I wonder if that guy survived. I wonder if he made it. So later that evening, actually, I'd say pretty much closer to the morning, because it's a night shift, after dropping off another patient at this tertiary hospital, it's about 40, 40 45 minutes away, like, listen, hey, you know, like, are you curious? Like, I'd, I'd like to know how this guy, if this guy survived, we should go check in with a doctor, maybe poke our head into the, you know, the trauma room if he's in the trauma room still, or maybe he's, you know, been off to surgery. So when we went to go check, he was not in the room at the time, but there was a family member giving a statement to the RCMP. And I mean, listen, like, uh, you know, you're not you're not snooping, but I'm I'm, I'm doing my report. And I'm in within I'm within earshot of the report. Not, do, okay? not doing anything wrong. If if my ears end up picking something up, they pick something up. It's you know it is what it is. You got good hearing. This is my workspace, right? You got good hearing. Yeah. So as I got a little bit closer, I'm working my report. It's, it sounds like this this is a family member. Obviously, she's very distraught. It sounds like it's his mom. And as I'm listening, the mom stated that the you know the the family her family. The patient that had gone missing, the pregnant woman, was actually within a week or so of giving, you know, of her due date. And that they've just recently moved back to this reserve um, within the year because they wanted to be closer to family. They've been really struggling to start a family. And they thought maybe coming closer to home, they'd have a little bit more luck. Okay. Um, the mother... You know, the mother-to-be had believed that maybe if they came back to the lands that were, you know, a little bit more fertile, as is, you know, she would have luck kind of getting pregnant and starting a family. And believe it or not, you know, within two weeks of being there, she started exhibiting this extremely bizarre behavior. The sleepwalking started where she had never sleepwalked before in her entire life. She'd be disappearing for hours on end at night, right, until the husband started trying to follow her and find out what was going on. But what overshadowed that was the fact that she just finally, after years of trying, became pregnant. Right? So they were quite happy. Now that she's been progressing in her pregnancy, things like the sleepwalking started getting more severe. She'd be gone for longer. He couldn't control it. She was kind of lashing out in aggression. She was very ill during the day, so she was in bed all day, bedridden, and then she'd be up at night. Super bizarre. Didn't really make sense for him. So he kind of pleaded with her, like, listen, we need to go see a doctor. You need to go see a doctor. This is, this behavior is bizarre, but she was very firm in her stance that she didn't trust Western medicine. Okay. They tried with the, they did IVF. They did every other type of therapy to try and get pregnant. They saw doctors. Yeah, no COVID shot for this worked. lady. Well, exactly, right? Like she wanted nothing to do with that kind, kind of Western medicine. She had been burned off it. She maybe had a couple bad experiences when she was younger. She just wanted nothing to do with it. She wanted to do it as naturally as possible. 
But supposedly the mom said that they did finally meet some common ground. The mom stepped in and said, well, like on a reserve, there's actually a shamanic doula. Okay. And not knowing, I have absolutely no idea what that was, but it sounds like it's somewhat of a mix between a shaman and a doula. Makes sense. And shaman <laughs> that specializes in in pregnancy, right? Mm-hmm. It sounds so, like it's a mix between the two words I do know. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> so apparently this, right, yeah. this doula came there, performed a few, you know, ritualistic ceremonies over about a month. And by near the end of the month, he came to the conclusion that this pregnancy needed to be terminated as soon as possible. Why? The oh, mom said they didn't offer any more explanations late, other buddy. than that. Okay. And they stormed out. The wife and husband had nothing to do with it. But the husband said, listen, there's obviously something here. There's obviously something wrong. You need to go see a doctor. We need to get to the bottom of this. She refused. Fast forward. We're talking eight, eight months pregnant here. We're getting close. We're getting very close. Sleepwalking has been getting absolutely out of control. So bad to the point where the husband had to invest in doors and locking the doors and windows from the inside to stop her from getting out. Weird. Okay. He couldn't. She just, she was relentless. She didn't stop. Right. The mother kind of asked, like, is there any explanation? Do we know what happened? Then police basically said, as of right now, the working... The working theory is that she, you know, tried to get out tonight and, you know, a struggle ensued and she lashed out and stabbed her son, right? And then she, in fact, did successfully get out of the house, right? Then next thing you know, I kind of look over in the RCP, notice that I'm a little bit too glued into this conversation and they're like, okay, like, let's close the curtain and, you know, you kind of mind your business. I'm like, okay, well, whatever. We go on with our shift. It is what it is. Get home, sleep, get ready for the next night shift. During the next shift, we do a transfer to the nearest tertiary hospital, which just so happens to be the hospital we were at where we heard that story, the statement, right? Mm. While we're at the hospital, we're pulling up, and we notice there's a large police presence there, which isn't always bizarre. You know, it's not necessarily bizarre. There are usually a lot of cops at the hospital for whatever reasons, bringing psychs, whatever, violent situations at the hospital. But there seemed to be a little bit more police presence than normal. We offload our patient. We get into the ambulance bay. And there's another crew in there, visibly shook. Okay, there's one member sitting on the end of the ambulance. There's another member on the phone with the manager being like, you could hear him having a conversation with the manager and the manager basically saying, hey, listen, you guys, don't worry. Like, you're done. Wrap up, clean up, get yourself to the station, go, and then go home. Like, shut you down. And, which is a pretty normal practice for us, right? You know, you'll go up and be like, hey, guy, like, how you guys doing? Do you guys need to debrief? Let's, you know, do you want to talk? Do you want to talk? Because that's, that's a good way of dealing with these mm-hmm. situations. You talk it out, right? Mm. And... They're like, yeah, like, listen, this was, this is pretty f- severe. You know, I'm, I'm a little bit new to the service and this, this kind of has me shook. Like, I'd like to talk to you guys about it and I'd like to see what you guys might've done in this situation. So they initially say that they were, they were dispatched for a woman that was lost in the woods that was found by a father and son that went hunting that morning. Okay. And the notes, it said that the woman was covered in blood. And 
an update on the fucking on the call said that she might be you know it looks like she's been bleeding from the abdomen and there might be some intestines hanging out oh my god so like holy shit we need to go this is this is a pretty serious situation so the crew responds to the call and they're they're at the north side of the city big wooded area it takes a little bit of a time to get there and by the time they get there you know, the, the father and son are still on the phone with dispatch, kind of just, you know, they're giving this woman distance because the woman is actively, like, this woman does not want help. She's walking away. She doesn't want them to come near her, okay? She's let them know, fuck off. Don't come near me. I'm fine. So they're kind of staying a little bit away, talking to their RCMP. So the crew gets there, and they approach, and they get the exact same situ- the same situation, you know, as the father and son do. Don't come near me. I'm fine. The paramedics are like, listen. We're here to help. Looks like you're bleeding. Looks like something's wrong. And as they get a little bit closer, you know, it looks like, it does look like, you know, her intestines are hanging out of the bottom of her dress, but they they get a little bit closer and they realize, wait, you know, maybe that's not intestines. That almost looks like it's an umbilical cord. Oh. Okay. So they get close and they're like, listen, lady, you know, can we help you, you know, Looks like you might have just delivered your child. She's got something bundled in her arms. And right away, something bundled, you know, they notice that something's bundled in their arms. They notice the umbilical cord and they start getting concerned. They're like, okay, listen, I haven't heard the baby yet. Like, is the baby alive? We need to get our eyes on this baby. We need to make sure the baby is well. And they plead and they plead and they plead and they get no luck. While they've been kind of dealing with this, the partner gets on the line. It's like, we need, we need, you know, we need a police presence here ASAP right? Something's going on. This is probably the woman because it's common knowledge that there's a pregnant woman missing. Everybody's been informed on it. Everybody's been keeping eyes out. We're like, we think we got eyes on her. So the RCMP do do show up and an ALS crew, right? So not, not too long after, there's a little bit of a, let's say we call it a standoff, okay? They're demanding for the lady to kind of give the baby up and seek medical attention. She's refusing. So the ALS paramedics are currently working on drawing up some midazolam, some other type of sedatives to maybe, you know, this is going to be a struggle. This woman needs medical help, right? Like she's retained her placenta, right? She's still got her placenta intact. That that can be an extreme issue for post postpartum bleeds, infections, and we're worried about this baby, right? Struggle ensues. Woman gets taken down. Baby gets pried from her arms. Baby starts crying. Small sigh of relief knowing, okay, the baby obviously is well enough to cry. You know, we need to get the mom medical attention because, you know, hypovolemia, or sorry, hypothermia, possible postpartum hemorrhages, whatever, lots of different things. As they take this woman down and try to sedate her, she starts screaming hysterically, being like, this starts yelling, this was not the deal. This was not the promise. You promised. You promised. And she gets injected with a midazolam and starts kind of slowing down a little bit. Okay, the PCP crew takes the baby and the mom and they get loaded in the back of the ambulance. Okay. While they start examining the baby, they overhear the mom kind of in a half-sedated state, just muttering like, she, she's mine, she's yours. What? He's, he's mine, she's yours. That's the thing. He's mine. She's that's my deal. 
And they open up these blankets while the mom's muttering. And they start doing their assessment. And you know what? The heart rate's okay. Baby's breathing. Baby's actually got relatively good color. We need to worm this baby up. This is our, these are our main goals here. But as they're assessing the baby, they realize the umbilical cord and placenta were wrapped up in these blankets. Okay. And as they're doing it, the mom startled while she's restrained restrained in the bed and her head pops up and she yells, he's, or she's mine, he's yours. That was the deal. She's mine, he's yours. That's part of the deal. And the paramedic realizing that the placenta and umbilical cord that is still attached to to the newborn daughter and there's still a placenta and umbilical cord that is that the mother has not delivered, that obviously this mother has given birth to twins. No. And the paramedic looks over to him and said, where's the other child? Where is your other child? And she looks up and says, with with her father, of course. And her eyes roll back in her head and she goes unconscious. And that's it, boys. That is fucking terrifying. And the father's dead. Didn't happen to me. Oh, fuck. A friend of a friend of ours. Sounds like some sort of deal with the devil gone wrong. He's mine. She's mine. He's yours. He's yours. She's She's mine. mine. She's mine. He's yours. She's mine. He's yours. Words that I'll never forget. Your friend will never forget. So wait, where was the other child? The Antichrist? Some, some, some wonder if possibly there was a deal made. And when she was sneaking away those late nights, she made a deal. The devil. The- and she got to keep one. And the father got to keep the other. Oh, fuck. The mother, the, the mom wanted to do a DNA test on the daughter, but... You don't get to, you know, you're only around them for so long. You don't get to know the details, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Happened Jesus. to a friend of a friend of yours? Yeah, friend of a friend of yours. Of course. Acquaintance of an acquaintance. In a, t- yeah. in a town. In a town si- might not even be real. Yeah, in a town Couldn't similar, even, might not even be real. similar to no southern idea. interior British Columbia. Similar. Not necessarily yeah, I don't know. there. Oof. I don't know. Ooh. God damn. Dan, are you... Are you scared? Will you be able to tell your story? It's my, my turn. My turn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't listening. <laughs> What'd you say? My so turn. If people recall <laughs> back in 2011 in March, March 11, 2011 to be specific, there was a uh, pretty big earthquake and the tsunami in Japan in northeastern Japan and people remember that I remember that because I was at sea at the time like I was I remember that because we had to come back from Singapore like right away uh, in order to help with the the tsunami uh, relief efforts Uh, was Operation Tomodachi was the was the name of that thing it was like a magnitude nine earthquake lasted six minutes. And it was like the most powerful earthquake ever recorded in Japan and the fourth most powerful earthquake in the world at the time. Damn. So after you had this earthquake, you had the tsunami, which followed, which was the worst part of it. So this tsunami destroyed countless buildings and 
the destruction is near total. Um, you know, almost according to the Japanese National Police Agency, you probably had about almost sixteen thousand people lost during that Let's time. Damn. Um, they were still pulling in, like they, I think it's sometime like they were pulling in boats, like after the fact, and like the boats had corpses on them. People uh, even tried to get out to sea at the time. Uh, so to the today to like twenty twenty as of twenty twenty, you still have twenty five hundred people still reported missing. Now, after the fact, in two thousand sixteen. Um, you had a sociology student um, from the Tohoku Gakuin University, uh, which interviewed a number of taxi drivers um, who were from the the town of the uh, city of Ishinomaki. And uh, Ishinomaki is one of the cities, one of the towns that was hit. It's like a, it's a fishing village, like a, a fishing town. Uh, it's pretty much their their primary uh, their primary business. So they were hit extremely hard, like wiping out an entire like an almost the entire city <laughs> at the time and um they even had a there was even a uh, an account of a uh, a school like a primary school where they had like 70% of the students died like uh, oh. there there's a whole there's a whole issue about how the uh, the bureau the bureaucracy or like the Japanese government local government at the time uh like actually prevented a, a bunch of kids from getting out before um, before the tsunami hit and, and resulting either indirectly or perhaps even directly in their deaths. So while interviewing a number of these taxi drivers, um, Yuka Kudo uh, found that there, there, there was unusual events that had been going on or had been reported or there had been rumors. And uh, this student decided that, you know, wanted to investigate some of these strange happenings that had been going on um there were i mean it is it is a traumatic event you have something like a flood uh, a, you know you have thousands hundreds if not thousands of people missing uh trauma like immeasurable trauma to everyone who even survived uh at those events so you had a number of kind of paranormal events there was like a spike in reported paranormal events is actually like it, there was a like an influx a large influx of like religious leaders that came that, that like calls for religious leaders to come in like not just not just like uh, just the regular shinto and buddhist but they had christian like everybody coming in like in and in, in japan like in their culture like exorcism and those kinds of things spirits oni yokai yurei like those are actually things that ex that are considered to exist have always been uh integral to the culture of japan so some people are saying that these things happen like that like there were some people that were presenting presenting uh like symptoms of possession one of this but but one of the incidents um that they went to uh investigate was these taxi drivers now if you know anything about like like Japanese taxis, like Japanese taxis are, are pretty I know interesting. Little, little to nothing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Japanese taxis are pretty interesting. Like they're, they're like maximum professional. Like it's an entire, like just one taxi company for like the whole of Japan almost. And um, like they wear these gloves, they have like a, like a set protocols. Like once you get in, they start the meter, have an entire thing that's kind of set up. It's, it's pretty neat. Um, wear gloves, so, so like more like a chauffeur. Yeah, it's like they wear the hat, they wear like a little vest, uniform, everything. They got like little gloves that they wear. It's it's pretty like super professional and they all drive like the same type of car. Uh, and uh, it's, it's a taxi. Uh, 
Yeah, it's taxi. It's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll drive taxis. But they're not like different models. They're all like the same. It's, it's uh, like entire fleets of like the There's same no car. variation. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm familiar with the taxi. I've seen so it. So you're familiar with the taxis. Um, so now a number of these taxis were reporting or they had reports of some taxi drivers saying that they were, they were picking up passengers that were disappearing. Um, one of the earliest incidents that had been reported was that a taxi driver who had picked up a young woman who hailed him at a public transport station. And it was after the event and like a while after the event, months. Um, and this, he kind of found it strange off the, like at the very beginning, he found it strange because this woman was wearing a heavy winter coat and the day was actually like pretty warm and, you know, and humid that, you know, why would somebody be wearing a, a coat? And she she asked him apparently to to take her to a destination, uh, Minamihama. And um, when they um, when, when she asked him that, he kind of he, he turned he said that's strange. Like he she he hadn't turned around. She just asked him where to go, and he told her, you know, without turning, like there's nothing left at Minamihama. Like it's gone. It had been wiped out by the tsunami. And after a few moments of silence, like he turned around to check and she was there almost. And, you know, she just said, have I died? Oh. And then when he turned fully around, she wasn't there anymore. So she wanted to go back to her ghoul. Um, So there was another one. There's another incident that was reported by another taxi driver. And this one had, instead of a young woman, it was a young man. And asked the taxi driver to go to Hiyoriyama and uh, Hiyoriyama Mountain. And, but the, and the driver took him. The driver started the meter, drove to the area. When they got there and he turned around to tell the young man, like, you know, here's your, you know, here's the price of the fare. The man was gone. Fuck. Oh, so what they're what they're saying is like this there's a number of these they call them ghost riders like they call them like ghost oh, riders oh that's cool that's um, fucking perfect. freaky the name Johnny Blaze <laughs> yeah Johnny Blaze <laughs> uh and like so, there's a there's a number of these taxi drivers that were reporting these events, and they said they said it was really strange because it's like these taxi drivers are extremely professional and they don't start the meter like they would start the meter and drive to these places. Like the person was in the back, ready to go. They would start the meter. They'd tell them where to go and then they'd take them there. So it's like these taxi these taxi drivers wouldn't start the meter if somebody hadn't gotten into the vehicle. Yeah. And so they would get to these places or even something like they would get there and they would turn around and these people would be gone. Fucking these freeloading, these paid. fucking freeloading ghosts. Yeah. Yeah. Shot and it comes out of, yeah, it does. Uh, that's the other thing is like, yeah, they wouldn't start the thing because the taxi drivers are liable for the fares. Once they start the meter, like if the person doesn't pay, they have to pay. That's it. part of their books. Yeah. Come on. Nobody works for free. Let's yeah, go. That's, that's freaky, man. Ghost rider. I like that though. I like it. Too. Well, it's like you, it was such a tragic event. And I mean, so many lost it's lives. Called like, ghost freeloaders. In, a, in an instant, right? Like you got to think that there was so much residual well i wonder energy it happened and so fast not only that like it, it happened so fast so it makes sure it makes sense that these ghosts don't even know they're dead yeah they don't probably don't even know what the fuck happened yeah uh there's there's one 
kind of went like a, they they interviewed like a, a chief a, another like article when it was talking about it. Um, it was I think it was it was actually featured in a in an episode of Unsolved Mysteries too. Um, but the, I think they interviewed a uh, like a chief exorcist. Like they have those, um, and they were talking about how yes, like the the spirits of young people are are fairly susceptible to this kind of trauma. Like if they die. It's that resentment of being in the prime of your life and not being able to live out the rest of your life, which mm. fosters that, you know, forms that attachment to the physical realm. And then they and can lead to, you know, uh, feelings of resentment and, and those things that can, uh, you know, produce, you know, angry that, spirits. Honestly, <laughs> and I, I, I'll say it, I've, I've done it right. I live so shitty in my late teens and early 20s <laughs> that... Every year, I'm in a new prime of my life because there's no way it could be worse than you've the you've hit you went, you went rock bottom right away. <laughs> I went rock bottom. You want to like, come back? You're saying you want to come back as a ghost? No, I don't need. I wouldn't need to because. <laughs> oh yeah, I, way is I guess so. Yeah, the only oh, way is up. Yeah, yeah. Ripped off, yeah. ripped from this earth in their prime, and then coming back to haunt the cab drivers of Japan. Yeah, Pretty poor sure cabbie. middle school, so. <laughs> that poor cabbie. That's when I stopped growing, so I think no, that's where I peaked. You're the tallest kid in middle school, eh? He's the tall, no, tallest kid was, for like I've, four I've months. been the shortest in every fucking grade. At forever. All right, we got a couple more stories to tell, but before that, we got to take a quick beer break. Refill. We'll be right back. And we're back. Woo. I believe the dice said it was my turn to go next. Raiden needs to get, you know, meat draw drunk before he tells his anyway, so it's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> He's on his way. I'm feeling it. The, the skeleton boner <laughs> size? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right. It's pretty stiff. I drank, that is. <laughs> hey. <laughs> we can only see from the nipples up there, so I don't know what's going on underneath that desk. Nor do I want to. Listen, that guy's got stamina, man. He's been, it's been a long <laughs> massage. <laughs> oh, yeah, he's been, he's been just giving her. <laughs> Doesn't like kisses, though. He leans back. <laughs> <laughs> he always evades. Mm. It's full prison style. Just place. likes his hands. <laughs> All right. How does that make me feel so uncomfortable? <laughs> <laughs> You're doing too much vis visualization. You don't want that. Anyways, for my story, I take us to. I think this happens about Eastern Pennsylvania. I will not give the city or privacy. Savania. Savania. It is Savania. I will not. Who established that? Yeah, Savania. The worst stuff. Vanias, Vanias are spooky. Vanias are haunted. Vanias are spooky. The worst stuff happens yep. in Avania, regardless of the first, of the prefix. The Vania part equals max level horror. Spooktastic. Anyways, the story happens. We're going to call her Sarah Lynn. She's 14 years old. Now she's in. Whoa, 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 whoa. Can you up her age a little there, buddy? No. I cannot. I have to be true to the encounter. It has nothing to do with a go uh, skeleton on her back for an excessive amount of time, though, if that's what you're asking. <laughs> she's 
She's a freshman. She's a little bit of a loner. <laughs> Wait, what? In what? Middle school? High school in the States. Nine, 10, oh, 11. is that what a freshman yeah. is there? Well, the States, okay. I think they do 9, 10, 11, 12. So that'd be, a, that'd be middle school in Canada. Freshman in the States. She's kind of a loner. Uh, she's kind of a social outcast in a way. She has, you know, she's got the emo look. She's got the dark hair. Maybe a little bit of self-harm on her wrists. She has long, long black fingernails that she takes her a lot of pride in. And it's a big... A big point for her fellow classmates to make fun of her. Oh, ever since she can remember, she's been bullied in school. It's terrible. If you witness a story from the outside, it's absolutely terrible. But then one day, she gets an invite to go to a freshman party. It's her first one. She's actually quite excited. She, Even though she plays a social outcast, every person, regardless, needs a little bit of social touch. They want to be included. included. Just a li- at least just a little bit. You want you need a community. Mm-hmm. So they invite her. There's a big in this area of of Pennsylvania. There's a tradition where they party beside the railroad tracks at about uh, the passing train at 9 p.m. So they invite her to this party. She files her nails, repaints them, gets ready to go. When she shows up. She's the, the first one there, which is odd. She's not there. She's there a little early. She didn't want to be late. She didn't want to be too early. So she has a few minutes early. No one's there. So she waits around. She waits a couple more minutes. She sits down. As you would in her situation, think you've maybe been pranked. Someone told you to go somewhere just to fuck with you. So she sits down. She's, you know, the tears start. She's going to go home and listen to My Chemical Romance so hard after this. Or Sarah. Yeah. She does. She actually pulls out her Walkman at this time. Yeah. I jumped in with the haven't you people ever heard of She's, closing the goddamn door. No. Uh, that's Panic at the Disco. <laughs> Isn't that one of those? I feel like she would listen to that song too. Something similar. I can't, can't be sure, sure exactly what she was listening to. But as soon as she starts to put in her earbuds... <laughs> a bag or something over her head. Oh. It's wrapped around tight around her neck. She's pulled off her ch- off her perch, her little she's sitting on like the side of the tracks pretty much. She's pinned down. She can hear three girls laughing and giggling as they tie her wrists up. They pull her up to the tracks. You know. She's they're giving her they're giving her all the insults. That a teenage girl experiences. That's you know, gr- girls are mean, boys are mean, yeah. kids are mean in school. Yeah. So this girl is at the bottom of the pyramid. She is. They got a bag over her head. She, she's pretty sure she knows who it is. She can't do anything. They tie her up. They tie her wrists. They hold her down. And that's what. That's when she hears. The horn of the train in the distance. Ghost train. And then as she's, they have her laid out on the tracks and she feels the vibration of an approaching train. Louder, louder. Another horn blares signaling to anyone near the crossing, 
Best get out the way. Her assailants hold her there as the train approaches, louder and louder and louder. They hold her and hold her and hold her. The train approaches. But it's just a prank. A terrible, violent, brutal prank. They grab her legs and they go to pull her off the tracks. No, just in time so the train does not run her over. As they pull her, though, she gets stuck. Either there was a loose tie or a splintered board underneath the tracks, something stopping her from getting pulled off the tracks easily. A couple hard tugs, nothing. You can hear the, she can hear the panic in her attacker's voice. They drop her. They leave her legs. The train's approaching. It's too close. There's nothing they can do. The train's lights hit the track where Sarah sprawled out, laying stuck. Hammers on the brakes of a freight train. But as you know, they take time to stop. The girls run in fear before the train approaches. It's blackout. The next morning, the body of a 14-year-old girl is found on the train tracks. But it's suspicious. Only her legs are found. From torso up, from waist up, no remains of whatever girl this is. Now over the next few hours, they put it together. This is Sarah Lynn. Now at first, at first the community, they jump right to suicide because of the nature of the girl. She had past harm, self-harm. And over the next six months, the case is this cold. Her top half is never found. No one ever really knows what happened. Her parents think she laid down on the tracks and who knows, body they think I guess is just disintegrated or whatever, some random occurrence that they cannot find. Six months go by. Everyone's moved on from this poor girl's death. Then one night after volleyball practice, a girl named Tressa was walking home. She was a part of the three girls who murdered Sarah. Even though there was no witness, it was dark and they were never caught. There was three of them. She was on her way home from volleyball practice. When she heard a curious sound, strange sound, something you wouldn't normally hear just walking on the street on a sidewalk you've never heard, kind of sound like a click, and then a click, and like a slide, like something heavy was being pulled across the sidewalk. And then again, click, click. Pulled a little harder, faster. Click, click, slide is what it sounded like. Something hard on the concrete, but it was dark out. She couldn't see anything. 
She sped up. Click, click, slide behind her. That's terrifying sound. It's getting louder and faster. Click, click, slide. Click, click, slide. Click, click, slide. Click, click, slide. Her body was fast. back now, y'all. <laughs> Her body was found the next day. Shredded. Her watch on her wrist stopped at 9 p.m. The town was shaken. Obviously, some Two type, young girls? Two young... Well, one young girl six months ago and another seemingly random attack. It's a fairly big city. The people... I mean, one, one seems like a random attack murder of a girl. But the next night... Brittany in the same fashion. Click, click, slide. Click, click, slide. She turns and looks, turns and looks. Nothing. Her body found the next day. Emily. Good friends with Brittany. Was coming home that later that afternoon, the following day after grieving with her parents. Still unsure of what would have done this to her two friends. A curfew was ordered. No one out past 9 p.m., no exceptions. Possible serial killer. Brittany's on her way home, seemingly enough time. Not, you know, she got 20 minutes, that's a 10 minute walk. She stops for comfort food at the local 7-Eleven. Buys all the goodies. Big gulps, eh? See you later. (laughs) She's on her way home. When she hears something behind her. Click, click, slide. Slide. It got faster. Click, click, slide. Click, click, slide. She started walking faster. She started to run. When out of nowhere, slash, something hits the back of her leg. Her calf spews open blood and muscle protrude. She stumbles. She's not far from home. She's trying to get her. It's at the end of her driveway. She's hobbling down. Click, click, slide. Click, click, slide. She tries to get up the stairs, but no, click, click, slide is there. She turns around as she reaches for the door. girl with long black hair long blood red fingernails seemingly sharpened to points glasses but no legs she recognized her instantly Sarah (sighs) click Click, slide up the first step. Click, click, slide up the second. Emily reached for the door handle. One last click, click, slide. 
at 9.30 that night. Emily's mom, worried about her, opened her front door. And in blood, written on the sidewalk, was 9 p.m. I was taken. For the rest of time, I shall be doing the taken. I shall be doing. I shall be. She, I, I, shall she, be she, I shall be doing the taking. Yeah, but listen, she's she's acquired a particular set of skills. Yeah. Click, click, slide, yeah. man. She's gonna be doing all the taking. She still roams to this day. So is it click, click? I'm guessing it's like hand, hand, torso, the long yeah. fingernails, fingernails, click, click, click. click. Okay, okay, yeah. Jesus, we need we need Zeltron to make the click, click side though. <laughs> yeah. That is terrifying. She still she still lurks to this day in eastern Pennsylvania. There's still a curfew in this certain county of 9 p.m. Shut up, really? really? Oh my god. I can't tell you which You're one. You're also not allowed to dance. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what though, I'm gonna be honest with you. Like if you're gonna get paranormally activated, I'll take a click click slide. I got a you got a better shot. Like think about Oh, if I hear that, legs, I hear that. I'm gone, yeah, bro. Oh man. I'm gone, oh yeah. Man. Next time you're walking in the woods <laughs> yeah, alone yeah. and you hear a little crunch, crunch. <laughs> crunch, crunch. <laughs> uh, I hear click click slide and it's every fucking second of my 4.56 board gone. Yeah, gone. <laughs> yeah. You know what I would do? I would I would like as soon as I heard it, I would get down in the sprinter's pros in the pose like like I'm getting to, ready to take off off the block yep. and then go. Yes. I would take the time. You got you get set first and then you go. Yeah. yeah. Well, you got a few click click slides yeah, to, yeah, yeah. to deal yeah. with first, right? Like you know you got at least three of them. At least three. 100%. Yeah. Uh, That's what I'm saying. So yeah, the first one, get set. Second one, go. Go. <laughs> um, I mean, worst case, Ontario, you could probably hurdle her. Yeah. <laughs> you punt her. She got, you punt her. She's got yeah. really long fingernails. <laughs> Yeah. That's true. Um, like, you know how off balance she would have to get to swipe at you? You'd be surprised, you know I mean? think, of the quickness of this girl. You guys seen like uh like monsters in Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's what <laughs> There's a guy yeah. like that with the long legs, like and he looks like he like shuffles with them yeah. and stuff. That's kind of what it reminds me of. Um all right, so over to BJ Cheeks to finish it off my here. Turn. All right. This is uh this is a true story. It uh, it did happen to a friend of a friend of mine. Uh, this story's been told to me, actually, uh, once. So I'm retelling a story told to me. So if I stumble, it's because I'm going off of memory. I will preface this story that where I live, there is an unusual amount of deer everywhere. Uh, Deerts. I say that so that when you go like, hey, what? come on, come on, is this real? Yes. Because I, there is a ridiculous amount of deer that aren't that scared. <laughs> so a friend of a friend of mine, he works as a, like a, like a landscaper, works for a company out here. I don't want to say the name, but one of the contracts they have, uh, they have numerous contracts of, you know, old folks homes, uh, what do you, stratas that they do all the lawn care. And one of the things they have is they have the contract to quite a few of the graveyards in town. 
I said, that's your first mistake. Why would you be friends with this person? I'm not. I said he's a friend You're of tainted. a friend. Friend of a friend. Yeah, well, I wouldn't even be a friend with his friend. No. <laughs> Too close. Too close contact. So, he tells me this particular Sunday, he kind of draws the short straw. And he's, in, he's tasked with going and cleaning up the lawns of the four graveyards that they have a contract for. So he loads up his truck. He's got a push mower, weed whacker, you know, all the necessary gear. Drives out to the first graveyard. Gets out. Nothing unusual. You know, he's weed whacking around all the all the gravestones. You know, he he he's an indigenous fellow and he always takes the time, to, he said, to like kind of respect the land that where he's doing this. And uh, he fires up the lawnmower. He's pushing around. He says he usually listens to music. And then... All of a sudden, out of the corner of the eye, of his eye, boom, there's a deer. Just looking at him. Right? And he, he kind of looks at this thing, and it, it's not too unusual. But the thing that strikes him as odd is this deer isn't scared. As he's pushing the mower and getting closer, and, you know, it's making a noise, this deer is just standing there, just staring at him. Not moving. So he continues to mow and he, he he's kind of like, well, this is weird. Like normally, like it's not uncommon to see deer in this town. And he's like, this isn't uncommon. The only uncommon thing is it's, it's just staring. It's just totally chill, not moving. It doesn't seem to care about him at all. So he goes about it and he, he gets within, you know, five feet where he's mowing and this thing doesn't move and he just continues to mow and it just sits staring at him. He's mowing his own mm. business. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he he take, he finishes up, brings the lawnmower back to the truck, loads it up, you know, throws a weed whacker away, gets in the truck, goes to pull the reverse and the deer is just still standing there, just staring at him. And he's like, man, that's, it's kind of, ooh, gives him a little bit of the heebie-jeebies. Nothing, nothing too crazy. So he heads to the next graveyard, just around the corner, uh, down the road, goes and sets up. Same thing, right? Weed whacker, he's, you know, he's paying attention to the gravestones, not to, he doesn't like to tread over where the bodies were buried. Um, a very professional fella. Uh, and he's firing up the lawnmower. And lo and behold, there's another deer. Ah, fuck off. Just staring at him. This time, it's at the edge of the graveyard, and he's he's like, "Well, that's kind of weird." You know, it's, again, there's so many fucking deer. <laughs> this isn't common. But what's uncommon is, again, this deer is not shaking at all. It's just watching him mow the grass. So he he starts to look, and you know, he, he's a little creeped out. But then he remembers that, like in his culture, that. This seeing a deer and, and stuff is some time of protective spirit. So he kind of takes like, he's like, oh, okay. Like, you know, that's probably what this is. It's just, you know, just a protective spirit watching over me do my job. So packs up his, packs up his tools, jumps in his truck, right? He's backing up. Same thing. Deer's just chilling, just chilling, looking at him. Really not too scary. So he goes to the third graveyard. Right, gets at the mower. He's mowing. 
And as he fires up the lawnmower, he's like, you know, lo and behold, there's two deer. Oh, fuck. Just standing there looking at him. And he's like, okay, well, you know, he's, he's justifying this in his head. He's like, you know, we're getting to like hunting season. We're right. Like lots of stuff starting to move. You know, we've, he's making all sorts of excuses for why he's seeing this. Right. And he, he's, he's starting to feel like he's like, man, you know, this is some sort of weird. He's theorizing. Same thing. Yeah, yeah, he's deerizing. And he so he mows along. These things are not shaken. They don't run. They're not spooked. They just watch. And they're just watching him. So he finishes mowing, loads it up for the third time, and he's backing out and he stops, take notice. He honks his horn a couple of times. Honk, honk, right? Try to spook him away. And they just nothing, right? Just watching. And he's like, man, that's Right? Oh, that's a little weird. Whatever. So the fourth graveyard is actually quite a ways out of town. It's way up the far end of this hill, way out in the boonies. There's not a lot of houses around. There's, I think the closest house, a, a trailer across the street. That's it. I've been to this graveyard. There's nothing around. So he heads up there and he unloads his gear. There's a gate that you have to unlatch and there's like a long driveway into the into the graveyard. So he, he hops out and as he walks up to the gate, the gate's already unlocked. The lock's like locked onto the swing. So it's like, no, whoever was there, the gate's unlocked for right. all intents and purposes. And this is weird for him. So he, as he's standing there at the gate, he just gets this really uneasy feeling like he's being watched. So he looks around and he goes, no, fuck, I got to get back in my truck. So he just runs back in his truck. He just gets a super bad feeling. And he runs. Probably heard a click, click slide. Yeah, he runs, he runs back into his, sits in his truck, right? And he's just sitting there and he's watching. Uh, he swung the gate open and then ran in his truck and he's just sitting there and he, he waits for a little bit and he's looking around. He doesn't see anything. So he's like, okay. Well, uh, all right, well, whatever. I'm just being a, you know, I'm being a wimp. I'm going to go in. So he drives in, unloads his, unloads his lawnmower, unloads the weed whacker. And he starts firing up the lawnmower, right? And as he fires up the lawnmower, he's pushing her around. And as he's kind of, there's like an, like an outbuilding mm. at the far right end of the property. And as he comes around, he notices that like a tree has come down and it's like obliterated the fence back there. So you can just kind of see this down tree into the woods. And if anyone, if you want to look up Vancouver Island woods, they are dense. They are dark. And at night they can be spooky. And this is like the end of the day for him. So now he's seeing that this trees come down and it's obliterated the fence. He can just see right into the woods and he gets this really uneasy feeling. Mm -hmm. And so he starts pushing the, he starts pushing the lawnmower. And as he's making his way to this corner, the lawnmower kind of jams up and he's like, fuck, like, God damn. So he flips the lawnmower over. It's all jammed up with wet grass, right? He's got to clean it out. It's just, it's just really bunged up. So he's, he's cleaning it out. He's, Pulling all the grass out. It's, he's dicked. He's dicked. So he's, yeah. It's fucking he dicked. Pulls the grass out. He's, you know, sweating. He's, he's almost done. He flips the lawnmower back over as he stands up right at the edge of the property where the, that 
trees falling through the fence. There's a deer. God damn it, deer. Just staring at him, right? So he's like, huh. Right? And this deer's just watching him. So he he fires up the lawnmower and he starts pushing it in that direction. And as he starts pushing it, he just got it running again. As he's pushing it, boom, lawnmower's out of gas. Dies. And he's just standing there looking at this deer. And he gets this sense of dread, right? Just this overwhelming sense of dread. And he he's standing there. He's like, he's looking at this deer. He 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 tells me that like he's getting the feeling like something doesn't want him to go near that corner, whatever it is. I, I was anticipating him standing up and being like, I've had enough of these motherfucking <laughs> deers in this motherfucking cemetery. <laughs> so he he's standing there and all of a sudden this deer, unlike all the other ones, it looks agitated and it looks spooked and it fucking just tail goes up and it just books it right past him like almost brushes him just bounds right past him right and he's standing there and he says he just the silence and everything it's so easy he just is like nope i'm fucking out of here and he just turns and he runs to his truck he 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 told me that he doesn't know why he doesn't know why he ran to the truck there was no reason for him to other than the deer ran he got scared he ran to his truck as he's at his truck, he looks back to the broken fence and in the tree line, he just sees a shadow. There's a person standing there in the tree line, not mm -hmm. a deer. There's a person. And this person is seemingly moving. Does he look like a deer? To get a better look at them. Oh, fuck. Jesus. Don't do that. So he's sitting, he's sitting in his truck and he's trying to like get eyes like, you know, when you're like, it's like getting low light and you're trying to like see stuff better. He's looking and the shadow is just kind of standing there moving side to side, trying to get a better look at him. Right. And he just goes, nope, fuck it. I'll, I'll come back tomorrow, grab the lawnmower. I'm out of here. Keep the lawnmower. Fuck it. So he drives back down the hill. So he tells me, Little, little known fact about that graveyard. In that back right corner, the nearest grave to that hole in the fence is where they buried a man who murdered his family with a hatchet. No. What? No word of a lie. The closest grave what? to where that fence came down. And he thinks what he saw was some sort of spirit. And it was, it was the deer were trying to warn him and they were watching him as being protector spirits. And the last deer he saw at the last graveyard was warning him to run. Damn. Nope. He went back next morning with a colleague, picked up the lawnmower. And quit his and job. Another and deer. Well, he, still, he, he still does it, but he, he, doesn't, he doesn't go up to that graveyard anymore. I hope not. Yeah, I would neither. <laughs> fuck that. Yeah, he's like, man. no, fuck that. Rookies can do that. <laughs> Absolutely terrifying. Ah, fuck. Whew. But I know that the spooky caveat is there was a man who murdered his entire family with a hatchet who's buried there. Right there. Of course, it's a scary story. Yeah. He's fucking 
Yeah. Right. So that's who that's when when I talk to him, he says he's like, without a doubt, that's who it is, man. It's a murderous spirit. He was gonna lure me in the woods. They almost that's got terrifying. him. Yeah. Who the fuck is gonna see that shadow like scoping you out and be like, oh, I'm gonna go follow it? Yeah. Fuck that shit. Well, maybe, but you know, maybe had he like not left right away, maybe it would have whispered to him or something, right? Like, it's just, hey, it, it's come just over here, have a look at this hatch. It's weird. Yeah, you yeah, have yeah, a look come at come it. Here. <laughs> I, it's, it is creepy fuck though. These deer. He, come said, over here. He, he just, he says, like, you know, it's not uncommon to see deer, but deer at every single cemetery and deer that aren't spooked and just watch. He's like, that's, he's like, that's the creepiest thing, man. He's, he tells me because he's, he's like, they got these little How black eyes and they just, they just watch you. Yeah. I, I'm amazed that these things still look out for us after we fucking every season we go out there and just fucking shoot them. Yeah. Yeah. And they still got our backs. Like, oh, all right. I know. They've yeah. been, they've been attacking people here in Kelowna lately. Terrifying. <laughs> Dogs. They've been attacking little dogs. They attacked and two stuff. people yeah. on my street. Oh, really? That was wow, on your yeah. street. Yeah. Yeah. I saw. I watched the video. I would upcut that fucking thing. So one guy got gored, deer would gored in the testicles. Fuck you up. One guy got no. What? No, no, no. It's the old man. I watched him. He fucking got buckled. He's like an old man. He didn't even do anything. He like tried to push it. One gored guy, in the testicles. One guy got gored in the testicles. No joke. Did is that the what the ad said? Is that what the article said? Yeah, I did. Man, <laughs> I don't know if that was the headline. Come on, but that wasn't the headline. But me and Axel, we would tag team him. Some of these deer around here are pretty small. I feel like I grabbed those horns and just hip tossed the deer. That's what I'm saying. Well, but do you watch the video? Like the guy didn't even. He like kind of like pushed it, and it's like nah. Like if you're gonna fucking deal with that thing, deal yeah. with it. Take him down, full mount, destroy that deer. I just give him a shot. I watched my uncle fucking one punch a fucking bull one time. A bull, right, right in the nose. Yeah, yeah. Like it was fucking. They would always get loose in our in our farm, and you'd have to chase him around the neighborhood. And one of them charged at him, and Dale just fucking punched it right in the face, and it dropped down on his both its legs. What just happened? As Dale punches his way out of everything. Anyways, once a year we tell some spooky stories on the show. Oh. However, if you have if you have a spooky story and you're looking for somewhere to share it, Cosmic Channels is coming back, baby. Woo! But By the time you listen to this, you've already missed it. <laughs> you might have missed the first episode, but it's coming back again on the same timeline every second and fourth Sunday. It's easy to find. Go to your calendar, count to the first Sunday. It's not that one. Count to the second one. It's that one and it's the fourth one. one. Figured it out. I mean, I'll, I've been doing the show and I'm always surprised. And it's like, oh, it's this yeah. one? Okay. Uh, People get it's confused. also going to be streaming live on our Instagram and TikToks from now on. So uh, and, and basically everywhere. Everywhere you follow us, we'll be streaming. You'll see Cosmic Channels, but if you want to listen to it, go follow Cosmic Channels on its own podcast feed. It's going back, back on its own feed where it belongs. Yeah. It's not a baby anymore. It doesn't need our support. We gotta let it's it its fly. own show. Gotta let it fly. However, yep. with it being its own show, if you don't listen, it, it's gonna die. It will die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's how you feed it. Yeah, that's how you feed it. You right? feed the we cosmic feed channels it. energy like a, by listening listen to it and telling your friends. It's literally like a Tamagotchi's. Everybody's had one of those Tamagotchi's. Yeah. If you don't fucking feed it, it's gonna die. die. Yeah, and and cosmic what? channels feeds on listens. So if you don't listen it, yeah. you're killing a baby. The more listens, the bigger it gets. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, it'll be back. Go check it out. All right, and if you're not supporting the show, you want early access to the case files, the bonus material, the Discord, 
all the other goodies we do, you know where to go by now. Aliantheorist.com. Hit that support link. Patreon, Supercast. They do the same thing. This week's newest supporters. We got Sean Andraka. Kyle. Wayne. T-Dub. Bud Stuffins is back. Great name. <laughs> Johnny Solorio? Solario? Matthew Wilbur. Sarah Tate and Alan Taylor. Thank you very much for supporting the show. Beauties. And as we always And as say, we always say at the end of these things, keep those eyes on the sky. See you in after hours. Peace.